This show is pre-recorded and furnished by Patricia Greenberg, the fitness gourmet. I'm so glad that you finally made it here. You thought nobody cared, but I did. I could tell. And this is your year, and it always starts here and I'm Patricia Greenberg, and you are listening to Eat Well, Live Well, Age Well on KABC 790 AM. My guest today is Jane Dye, a registered nurse and certified holistic transformational health coach in integrative nutrition. She also holds a certification in the intuitive intelligence method and is a graduate of the Silva Ultramind system. With over 30 years of experience in the medical field, she is here to discuss alternative health strategies and the untold ancient wisdom of the mind, body, and soul. Jane, welcome. Thanks. Can I call you Patty? Of course. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you, Patty, for having me on. Mind-body connection is so um, interesting to me, and it it is something that uh, hasn't been explored except in recent years. So let's talk about how attitudes and lifelong held beliefs affect our decisions about our health, because one of the things that we get stuck in as a young person is we're told remedies and medicines and disciplines are what will help us and none of the others work. So, you know, let's get down to the nuts and bolts. You know, it's easy for us to say to someone nowadays, okay, we know certain things are bad for you, so don't eat junk food or only eat organic food or eat less meat. You need to sleep. You need to exercise. To me, it's like telling people to brush their teeth, right? It's become such a part of the general discussion in America. You should be doing this. You should be doing that. But really, Jane, how do we get clients and our listeners to make changes? Well, the important thing to understand is that the number one problem of health and wellness is compliance. So information is not what creates transformation. So we have a lot of information, but we don't necessarily do what we know to do to improve ourselves. So what needs to be determined is the smallest step someone can take that will have the greatest impact on their health and happiness. So they need to choose steps that are simple, easy, sustainable, and I dare say fun. And that's based on their unique preferences and lifestyle. So when coaching clients, I add value as a master of habit change, helping clients with motivation, action steps and follows through to achieve exceptional outcomes. I provide experience with accountability that's necessary for change. So all information from experience or gained from experience, even those that some consider failure, um, is utilized as feedback to move in the direction of success. So I found like when you help someone see their world differently and they see their challenges as opportunities to learn or gifts, their world changes. Like they show up differently and they create results that might have seen unimaginable, unattainable. So then they have a better experience of themselves and others in the world. Yeah, because I think what happens with all of us is that we look at something we want to do or reach a goal and we say, I I don't know how I'm ever going to get there, whether it's lose 100 pounds or run an ultra marathon, uh, move cross country, all these things. Well, there's baby steps. There's there's a lot of steps to take to get there. And I am so curious, you know, when I hear from people who do what you do and you have such a highly specialized niche in your approach to this. So what, what would you say is the number one stumbling block for people to get on board with improving their health? Well, navigating the world of contradictory health and wellness information and recommendations. Um, people need a holistic approach to understanding that all areas of their lives are connected and it's necessary to look at all of them to approach transformation. So if we're not physically healthy, 
our mental and our spiritual health suffers. And the same is true for our mental and spiritual aspects of our life as well. So to get on board with improving health, people need to focus on what they get to have, not what they don't. So great sustainable health and happiness cannot be created through denial and deprivation. We need to fill our lives with the bountiful and healthy, leaving less room for things that are hurting us without restricting everything from day one. So the goal is a healthy life, not just a good diet or exercise routine. And I'm sure you agree, you know, a healthy life is a wonderful thing to live. How do you take the family into account? I know that that's a huge issue with people who want to make changes in their life, but they feel like they're surrounded by whether it's family members, spouses, or even a community of people that it's not supported. Well, it's interesting you say that because the five people we hang out the most with actually determine often our level of health and happiness. So what it really is, is when, when clients come to me, I really have to see at what level of commitment they are to having the desired outcome. Um, you have to take full responsibility for your experience. So it's really how ready people are to do this and for people to see the changes that they make and either allow them to do that because they have guidance and support, or sometimes there's a wonderful ripple effect where somebody sees somebody is more energetic, they're happier, they're really enjoying what they're doing um, because there's a lot of experiential exercises that we do in the sessions and outside of the sessions, so it's really fun. You know, we try to make it as fun as we can because we can only be in that state of denial and deprivation for so long before we just, you know, say it's just too hard to do. Right. And, and then you want to crack. You know, I, I spoke to therapists about this because, you know, I'm a nutritionist and, and now I'm doing this spreading the word is um, that your place in the um, family dynamic or your place in society, that's one of the hardest things to change is that you're accustomed mm-hmm. to being either the leader, the follower, the middle child, the brunt of the joke, the one telling the jokes. I know these are very cliche, but they're very real. That oh, when you shift real. your your place in the, uh, in the in you're no longer that same cog in the wheel, and you, you've decided to do something different. It offsets mm-hmm. a lot of things. And well, that's know, where the intuitive comes in mm-hmm. because that really has to do with perception. So we do work with people and their limiting beliefs around what they think they can attain. So again, this is why it's so important to have a holistic approach because there are things that are holding us back besides, you know, uh, what's actually just our food choices. So we really do have to look at um, all those facets. So it's not just understanding the food that we eat, as I'm saying, it affects our health, but all other factors present in our daily lives. So it's our healthy relationships, as you're saying, fulfilling work and career, enjoyable, satisfying physical activity, and a spiritual awareness along with some soothing practices, which are all essential forms of nourishment. So there are several concepts I work with that I think really help with what you, what you uh, brought up. And that's the idea of biochemical individuality, meaning that one person's food is another person's poison. We all have unique food and lifestyle needs. The concept of crowding out, which is by eating and drinking foods that are good for you, you naturally have less room and desire for healthy foods. So it's not giving things up, it's adding things in. We're going to deconstruct cravings and use environmental control. You know, I I also think a lot about how, I mean, society is just this double-edged sword of everything's coming at us that's good and everything's coming at us that's bad. And um, two things, you have a very strong medical background Mm -hmm. and now you have a very, very strong hold on integrative medicine, on nutrition, on 
wellness as a whole, mind and body, marrying the mind and the body. But our choices around food and fitness and choices that we make are very deeply woven into the fabric of our culture. You know, that of our families of origin, our American society. So, you know, again, I know we talk about is that an individual choice will sometimes pull you out of that. Um, I I guess this is a huge question and I don't know if we can answer it today. Jane, when I went to school for dietetics, which, you know, was in the late 70s, early 80s, we were four food groups. Mm-hmm. And that was right. it. And you had to have um, a certain amount of ounces of meat and you had to have a gl- three glasses of milk or three cups of yogurt. And uh, fruit and vegetables were part of the equation. But Wonder Bread was your was your grains and was your, your source of energy. And there are people who intellectually, I always like to say, we know better, but it's ingrained. So it's a very, very deep change that we have to come to in that. So speak to that a little bit. I think I'm asking you from a medical perspective. Mm -hmm. Sure. So um, I had my own reckoning back in in my 50s when I first found out I had skin allergies and I later found out I had food sensitivities. So I did all the testing necessary and did um, some interesting autoimmune protocols and things of that sort. So not only did I make this transition before, but then I had my own experience. And what I really have found is, you know, our food today is different than even when we were growing up, Um, how it's grown in the soil, how it's produced. The difference really, though, even you mentioned processed foods, is we did eat more foods as mother nature intended. Mm -hmm. There were more foods that were not in box and bags. They were things that you would get from your garden. I mean, we had a limited choice as compared to today. Um, there was like three apples on the shelves, if I recall correctly, uh, you know, but what we found food science has also played a role in this because um, there is uh, a way that processed foods cause addiction. They can get the brain to light up just like cocaine and heroin. So there is that biological issue. And then once we have our mental fat, now we have a confusion amongst our hormones with ghrelin and leptin or hunger and our satiety hormones. So a lot of people are, are under the influence of other, you know, um, hormonal and biochemical things that are going on also with things in our environment, chemicals in our environment. Some of them are obesogenic. I mean, they actually promote fat cells. So the real thing to understand when we're making choice is uh, you and I discussed briefly off, um, off this conversation about intuition mm-hmm. and about one of the things that we have a very fast paced society. So to make snap decisions, things are supposed to be ready for us. We're always eating on the go. Even during COVID, it was interesting working with people. How many people still had that on-the-go mentality around eating? So we tap into our intuition by slowing down to be present, to be quiet or silent, to allow our emotions to flow freely, and to understand something almost immediately without the need for conscious awareness and analytical reasoning. So these are hunches, which are created by the unconscious mind, rapidly shifting through our experience and our cumulative knowledge. So that's part of the things I love when I work with clients is to help them discover what I call food freedom so that they make decisions based on their energy, not just on what somebody else says. We do a lot of experimentation around that. Did you know, you probably do, that it takes at least three times of trying a new food, whether you're an adult or a child, to actually see whether you like it? or to try it being cooked a different way. I don't know about your mom. My mom was a great cook, but those frozen vegetables thrown in water. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, who would want to eat those? So it's exposing people to the great varieties of food we have, our, our farmer's markets, other sources that become a delight in choosing our food. 
as opposed to just what we knew. So it's kind of approaching it with um, as an adventure with a whole lot of curiosity. Yeah, I, again, it's that, you know, uh, people look back and say, uh, you know, what was I brought on on? What was my mother thinking? Uh, and yet it's actually far worse now. Uh, hi, I'm Patricia Greenberg, and you are listening to Eat Well, Live Well, Age Well on KABC 790 AM, where we talk about all things aging well. May is National Older Adults Month, and I'm having fun this month with so many topics related to that. I'm here with Jane Dye, registered nurse and integrative nutrition and wellness practitioner, and we are talking about how we can shift the paradigm of how to take care of ourselves to include mind, body, and soul. Jane, intuition is my favorite subject lately to talk about because you just take that one minute, those few seconds off and go, what am I feeling? How is this making me feel? Just like you say, slow down. So I really want to expand upon upon this. So intuition is, for lack of a better word, it's like a God-given ability to navigate your life. And yet we all seem to ignore it only to regret it later. How do we tap into that Well, as a, as a daily things. practice? Sure, sure. That's exactly it. So there's a lot of practices. So the simple act of breathing can be a way just to slow down. There's lots of breathing techniques, but even one long, slow, deep breath in with the long, slow exhalation out can actually change your whole state of being. Because it, we're, if we're breathing like a relaxed person, our brain says, oh, we must be relaxed. But there are certain practices. So um, I love a, a lecture I listened to by Dr. Heidi Hanna at the um, American Institute, I believe it is, for stress, and talking about mastering stress versus managing it. So all of these practices that get us into intuition, we can make as a regular part of our day and also use when we get a wallop of stress, like suddenly something happens. So we can use breathing techniques, meditation, visualization. We can just pay attention to our senses, to our sense of smell, our sense of sight, hearing, all of our senses. Engaging in creative and novel activities is a great way to really tap into our intuition we actually create new neural networks, uh, how, our, how our, our neurons connect. Free-flowing journaling and drawing. Um, spending time in nature, of course. Uh, grounding, if you like that. Take your shoes off. Um, you have the benefit of going to the beach, as do I, and putting our feet. But just on your lawn, it's, it's spring and summertime, so most of us can take our shoes off and, and, and put them on the ground. But also enjoyable movement, whether that's dancing, walking, running, yoga, whatever feels good in your body, playing musical instruments, painting, and one of our favorites, of course, prepping and cooking a meal, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. can all be ways to be more present and tap into your intuition and say, what do I want to eat? What, is, what really looks good? Um, sometimes people are overwhelmed with the menu of choices. So once again, as you said earlier, it's just choose something that you said, suddenly it may not make sense. You can dialogue with it. Oh, you're wearing a red shirt today. Well, maybe I should wear a blue shirt. Well, no, I wanted to wear red. Why question it? Wear red. You know, well, how's everybody going to say? I don't know. I'm feeling good in red, so maybe I really show confidence and, you know, energy because I just happen to like what I'm wearing and I approach the day a little different. Yeah, so and what you're saying is it really applies to every aspect of your life to make you feel better about yourself um, on a daily basis. Jane, I want to also, uh, we're going to get into a couple more issues about taking care of ourselves and managing our wellness on our own without these external. Medically, what does stress do to your body? 
Oh God, medically stress has a tremendous effect on your body. Uh, first of all, it will raise your heart rate, it will raise your blood pressure, it will also bring out the hormones of fight or flight so that your body is in a state of low level inflammation uh, or heightened inflammation in a moment. But it's the low level chronic inflammation that is really the precursor to what we're seeing in today's diseases of modern living. They're all basically related to insulin resistance and that happens when our hormones are not being balanced. Um, so, you know, people may think they're handling it well, but it can slowly be eroding your immunity and other systems in the body, as it did mine, clearly, um, with um, skin allergies and um, food sensitivities. It shows, up, it shows up in so many different ways, yeah. It does. But the great news is that the body is self-healing and self-repairing instinctively. So we just need to give it what it needs to do, to do its work, and we can. But slowing down is a really critical first step. Um, there is really no such thing as multitasking. Mm -hmm. We're basically oscillating between one behavior and another, and that in itself is a stressful thing to do. That doesn't mean you can't listen to the music and drive your car. It just means there are certain things that we think we can get done all at once. And actually, we're, we're not being as efficient, productive, and we're certainly not being in a relaxed state. We must be in a state of relaxation whenever we want to choose to heal, whatever that means. I keep yeah. saying multitasking is the new smoking <laughs> because it's, it's, you know, you feel overwhelmed. You start to short circuit. Um, when, when you're especially old, while you're sitting, exactly. Sitting, yeah, there's yeah. just so you're multitasking, you're <laughs> sitting, and you you know your body is not used to doing that. We're not used to being on Zoom calls, as one of my clients says, for nine hours a day. I know. You know, uh, we work on building in physical activity, uh, breathing, things of that sort, so she can manage what is a highly stressful day, and it can be done, but it does require some little experimentations with very small steps. Jane, my, my big question here is because we're talking about eating well, living well, and aging well 24-7, especially on this show. It's just, I have an insatiable appetite for information about what we should be doing with aging well. Um, can you reverse a lot of the medical problems that you have as you age? I, I, this is the question I ask every professional I've come on. At what point can't you reverse it or can you always reverse it? Can you always reverse well, those ill effects? Well, I, I don't know that you always can, but what I do know is that you always can heal on some level, even if it's coming to terms with a terrible disease state. There is a way to create more inner calm and more inner peace. Um, I do think we're making such tremendous strides in so many areas. For example, there's, there's all kinds of information now coming out about what we do with our food, especially when faced with cancer, what we do when we have chemotherapy. Um, they're experimenting with ketogenic diets and things of that sort, knowing that sugar in its most basic form, which can also be flour, can create um, more um, tumor growth through angiogenesis and actually supporting the tumor. So sometimes uh, integrative physicians are talking about how what we eat when we, we are actually um, in a disease state. But I really believe that, you know, the body can heal, but it, it, it requires different areas, as we discussed before, holistic. Um, there are a couple of books that I would strongly recommend if people are interested in learning more about that. One is Cured by Dr. Jeffrey Rediger. 
Um, it's a wonderful book talking about spontaneous healing and remission, which is, um, I think, a little bit about what you're, you're questioning. And another book that's recently been revised, who actually referred, the doctor referred Dr. Rediger's book, and that's Dr. Lisa Rankin, who wrote Mind Over Medicine, Scientific Proof, You Can Heal Yourself. And that whole concept of healing is, is around what we do as a team of medical professionals, nutritionists, other people in the health and wellness field that work as a team letting the client or the patient direct their own care. So um, there are some disease states we don't know how yet to intervene. Right. But I think that, you know, there are, if you read about spontaneous healing and remission, it will really change your ideas about looking at averages instead, looking at what are considered outliers and flukes and things that people who have done who got terminal illness diagnoses and turn them around. Does it mean everybody's going to do that? No. But don't we want to have some sort of guidance how we can do something that's that's innovative? And Jane, I, I always say it never hurts to try. Like if, if there's some, if, if you're told there's no hope and there's something that you could try, why not? I, I you know, and, if, yeah. and like if there's nothing else, it, it helps you with the journey at the very Absolutely. least. It'll make the journey happier and the journey more peaceful. Jane, you list neurolinguistic programming as part of your studies. <laughs> Please tell right. the tongue twister. Please tell yeah. us about that. That's why a lot of people just like to call it NLP. Yeah, but NLP consists of different frameworks of mental structure upon beliefs that you have about yourself, your role in life, your circumstances, and about other people. So it's the meaning you ascribe to any event, and depending upon how you frame it in your mind, so you see, interpret the world. Um, yourself and others in your life. So it can be positive or negative to form to, to the form of your limiting beliefs and unhelpful thoughts. So the whole idea and where intuitive intelligence method piggybacks on neuro-linguistic programming is, is the ability to see something beyond the five senses, like we are talking about intuition. Um, intuitive intelligence is the intersection of five fields of study, including quantum physics, neuroscience, heart science, psychology, and ancient wisdom traditions. What we want to do here is uncover the structure of how we perceive things and change the perception to reintegrate a higher learning into the present state so we have the ability to heal on multiple levels and dimensions. So we get to observe our experience in these exercises with a detached view, find the higher meaning, and connect to what is an infinite field of possibilities to allow us to change our experience. You know, this really leads into the whole concept of spirituality. And you probably have to do this all day long also, is talk about the difference between spirituality and religion. Uh, mm -hmm. They go hand in hand to some degree, but there's also separating them out can be very helpful. Spirituality is a trigger for a lot of people who grew up with a lot of religious restrictions. Mm -hmm. And we want to reset that attitude because people were very traumatized by their childhood religion. Mm -hmm. So how do you separate that out in your practice of, it, it's almost like uh, someone who hates spinach, right? Or broccoli. And as soon as you say, I'm, I made a broccoli salad. Ew, I don't mm -hmm. eat broccoli, but it's broccoli and walnuts and, and, mm -hmm. uh, and fruit, you know, something wonderfully and healthy, but people hear broccoli. So people hear spirituality. They hear whatever religion it was that traumatized them. How, how do you sort that out with people? Oh, it usually doesn't show up a lot in our conversation mm -hmm. until we get into these techniques that I just mentioned. So it really has to do with understanding, um, you know, where somebody's starting point is and helping them understand by 
doing these practices that we mentioned around intuition, that that isn't religion. That's a way of self-soothing. That's a way of connecting with nature, a way of mostly connecting with yourself um, that doesn't have to have a religious structure to it, um, that our spirit is essentially who we are. Um, I personally believe that, you know, we're a soul with a body, not a body with a soul. That we, we are what we came into this world with. The essence of who we are is what we come with and what we leave with, and that that's a form of energy. So I think when we talk about spirituality in terms of energy, people can see it in a different way. Certain foods energize us, certain people energize us, activities, you know, speeches, books, TV, movies, things that move us. All of that is touching your spirit. So we can leave some of the formal structure behind and just help people to find practices that help them connect with themselves and really into the present moment. And when we do that, that's where a lot of that stress and a lot of the other um, you know, old, old beliefs can start to be relaxed, if not, if not completely loosened. And, and Yeah, a peace and calm. Peace out, everybody. Calm down. Let's figure out a way to calm, <laughs> calm our bodies down. Just a and little, really just a little can. temple rubbers, you know, something just this little, just a little tiny something to calm yourself down will make all the difference in the world. We are getting close to time. Jane, really quickly, again, five second answer. Um, Caffeinated drinks, um, uh, you know, colas, sodas, uh, coffee drinks. I know we talk about, and, and of course, sugar is a stimulant. What do you think about decaffeinated beverages? I think decaffeinated beverages are just a stepping stone to, to not having caffeine. And it's total load. We're talking about a total load of caffeine. So if you're going to do decaf, we certainly talk about doing a um, Swiss water um, decaf. Mm -hmm. And... Um, you know, I think you have to pay attention to how it makes you feel in your body. Uh, yeah, some of us are yeah. more tolerant than others. I talk about this a lot, like the stepping stones to get you to mm -hmm. where you need to be. Jane, I, I just I want to thank you so much for your sage advice, which helps all of us who are striving for optimal health for the rest of our lives. And uh, you can get in touch with Jane through www.janedye.com. She is doing telemed at this time, like we all are. Jane, what do you like about getting older? I like continuing to embrace life as an adventure with curiosity, fun, and gratitude, especially when working with others to help them create, you know, an abundant health and happiness, incorporating what I share with you, what I've learned into my daily enjoyable and sustainable practices with a greater ability to listen to my intuition and experience more freedom. Wonderful. Thank you so much again, Jane. I look You're forward welcome. to speaking with you more. Thank you okay. all so much for listening to Eat Well, Live Well, Age Well on KABC 790 AM. Please tune in again for our engaging discussions on all things aging well. For feedback, show topic discussions, or questions about today's program, please email me at www.eatwelllivewellagewell.com. I'm so glad that you finally made it here. You thought nobody cared, but I did. I could tell and this is your year, and it always starts here and oh, you're aging well. This show is pre-recorded and furnished by Patricia Greenberg, the fitness gourmet.